Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Namihi nui. I'm Alison Balance, and welcome to this Our Changing World podcast from RNZ. This week, we're celebrating New Zealand's annual research honours with interviews with some of the winners. In a year when, for the first time, more than half of the awards went to women. The top science award, the Rutherford Medal, has gone to Professor Rod Downey, a mathematician at Victoria University of Wellington. Rod works on computability at the interface of maths and computer science. Algorithms feature a lot in his work. I study the mathematics of computation. I mean, historically, mathematics was generated by physics, by and large, or I guess accounting and things like that. But I I think the the advent of computers has driven a great interest in the mathematics of, of how algorithms work and how fast can we do things and how efficiently can we do things and... Uh, We have tasks that we need to do, and can we do them more efficiently? We hear about algorithms quite a lot in everyday life at the moment in terms of things like Facebook, where people say algorithms determine what it is that Facebook shows us. Can Mm. you explain what an algorithm is? An algorithm is simply a collection of instructions to do a task where each, each instruction should be very simple. So baking a cake, for example, is an example of an algorithm. Here are the instructions. If you follow the instructions faithfully and you're lucky, you'll get a nice cake. Similarly, in mathematics, we have very basic instructions that you might want to have. An algorithm will be based up with those little little instructions. And if you follow that faithfully, then you'll, you, you'll get some answer. Now, most people now, when they talk about algorithms, it's kind of morphed the meaning. They're talking about deep learning algorithms, which is actually something my son does, my eldest son which are based on statistical learning and things like that. But fundamentally, sitting inside a computer is a collection of instructions that we've made, and according to those instructions, um, if you follow that, then, then you'll achieve a goal. And actually, a lot of, I mean, a lot of there's a huge progress in science, and a lot of it's put down to engineering and you know, increased understanding of, of biology and things like that. But in fact, a lot of it's got to do with the fact that the computational power to analyse what's going on has increased so much. Someone once showed me a, a CD. I'm old enough to remember CDs. And it was said to be a miracle of engineering, but it's also a miracle of mathematics that you can send, you can encode so much information on just a, a, a bit of plastic and receive that information. That's, a, that's an algorithm. It does that, of course. It reads it, it corrects the errors, and, and it, the digital information on that is reproduced. And it comes across as sound. And it's a basis of huge amounts of modern society. So is maths about numbers? Not my math. And mathematics is much more about concepts and, and how you weld concepts together. And there's this, because there's this big structure out there of, of things that we know and things we've constructed. And the question is, how do you blend those things together to, to gain more knowledge? So a good example of, of, a, of a mathematical thing that I deal with would be a graph. Now, what's a graph? Okay, a graph would be a collection of dots which vertices, which we call vertices because we've got to give them a mathematical name, and we might connect them together with an edge, which would indicate a relationship between those two dots. So those dots could represent 
they could represent people. And joining together would indicate that they know each other or they have a common interest or something like that. And this is actually a way some of the internet algorithms work, that, that you have these things and you try and do what's called cluster editing, which means you, you break those into little cliques, little groups of people who have common interest. And that enables you to analyse what's going on. Now, that, that's, that's for people, but the dots could also represent genes in some bit of biology. It's the same thing. It's this, this idea that you can take objects and represent them as these abstract concepts. And if you prove an algorithm about graphs of a certain kind, it applies in every situation. And that's what most modern mathematics is about. It's about the abstraction of data or the abstraction of physics or the abstraction of any of these things and what you're trying to do is you take that abstraction and then you, you seek to understand it. When you understand it very well, then you can develop better algorithms or you can develop better models for what you're trying to do. Or there's all kinds of things that you can do. And that's what mathematicians do, we, we think. <laughs> so my room is not very exciting. It's full of books. But, uh, but I'm not out there like digging things in the ground or anything. But it's, that's what you're really trying to do. We're trying to build models of the world or models of the, the, the metaphysical world, as it were. Yeah. And come up with proofs for that? That's what I do, yeah. We'll stick with algorithms. Okay, so I have an algorithm for doing something. What would be my dream? Well, okay, it's a nice, fast algorithm. I'd like to know it's the best algorithm for it. Why do we need good algorithms? Well, because, you know, if, if, if anything we do, if we can do it more efficiently, you know, we, we're doing timetabling for the university. I'd love it to be done more efficiently so that we get a really nice outcome. But then I have an algorithm. How do I know it's the best algorithm? I mean, I'd like some certificate, someone to prove to me, to say, this is the best algorithm you can do for this problem. And uh, a proof of that is, is some construction that we do in mathematics where we, we do a synthetic construction of ideas where we show that what we're doing actually works. Now, unfortunately, in lots of cases, we can't do that. And in fact, there's a theorem, there's a proof in mathematics that there are things that we can't prove, <laughs> which, which is kind of disturbing. <laughs> Well, it's good for my job, right, because there's always got something to do. But in the, in the 19th century, there was a belief that the universe was like a big clock. You, you just wound the clock up and started. And, and we could understand everything. Let us calculate, one famous mathematician said. Actually, it goes back to Lowell. Raymond Lowell was a, was a Franciscan um, monk in the 13th century. And he, had, he was the first person to try and calculate. And he had the aspects of God. On a, on a table and you could just, if you wanted to know what, what should I do next, you'd go and like look at your look at your reckoner which would tell you what you should do in this moral situation so for a long time people wanted to symbolically represent knowledge and that's, that's what we do in mathematics, we're trying to symbolically represent knowledge, so anyway in the 19th century they really thought that the universe was this big clock and so one of the great problems that people had was to show that mathematics could be mechanised, so that the problems of mathematics and hence presumably physics could be mechanised into a mechanical method that you just turn the machine on and go boom, boom, boom and tell you all the truth. And unfortunately, Gödel in the in the early 20th century proved that, that you just can't. Not only is it don't we know how to do it, we can prove that we can't do it. That there's there's a proof that there are things that in any sufficiently strong formal system, there are things which are true of that system that you can't prove within that system, which is just kind of fascinating fact. So the mathematics must remain creative. Does that have a particular name? Gödel's incompleteness theorem. Specifically, Gödel's first incompleteness theorem. Oh, you hear, here's more than one? Yes, the second incompleteness theorem. And not only that, 
any sufficiently strong <laughs> system of mathematics can't prove its own consistency. So you'd like to know that what you're working with is consistent. You can't prove falsehoods. And you can prove that you can't prove that. It's a bit weird when you think about it. And this has later been miniaturised into what's called NP-completeness, which is there are lots of things that we know how to check quite efficiently. Uh, I give you a big roadmap and I claim there's a way I can go through every town exactly once. That's called a Hamilton circuit, without repeating. And one way for you to check that is I'll just say, here's the circuit. You go, aha, yes, OK, I can see. I can go all around that. And I start drawing my way around that. And I just make sure I go through all the town. I tick them off as I go and I go get the end. I go, oh, I'm happy. Now, we don't know any way to find such a tour. So if I just give you a big map, then to try and find such a Hamilton tour is what's called NP-complete. And we can, we can prove that if we could do that efficiently then, for example, all cyber encryption would be, would be insecure, all of it. All banking would be insecure, any of that stuff. And we could have algorithms which would do all, all manner of computational tasks we don't know how to do efficiently, very, very efficiently. So that's one of the, the clay prices, a million dollars, if you can know how to figure that out. And also probably you'd, you could sell it to the banks or something. A fascinating problem. So how do we manage to encrypt things then? Ah, but of course we don't think you can do it efficiently. Okay. So <laughs> but? But m most encryption is actually not even based on something which is NP-complete, whatever that may be. It's based on the belief that we don't know, well, there, there are different ways, but there's discrete logarithm and uh, let's just do the simple one. There's thing called RSA, which says that I have a big number, a really big number, really, really big number, 100,000 digits or something, and... I want to figure out its factors. So it's got two factors, like uh, six has two factors, two and three, two threes are six. So I have a really, really big number, and I tell you it has two factors, only two. And how do you find them? Well, if you had to go through all the possibilities, it would take you, like, forever. We don't think there's any way to do it without trying all possibilities. We have no proof of that fact. But that is the, one of the key public key encryption systems that's used. And it, it's based on the belief that you can't do that efficiently. If you could, then RSA would break and, you, and things would become very insecure. A lot of this feels very philosophical to me. Well, I mean, we're dealing with fundamental stuff. I mean, mathematics, the, the thing that attracted me to mathematics was that, you know, you're dealing with the stuff of the universe at a, at a very, very basic level. That's why when you, if, if you can prove good things about it, you know, in, in your mathematical theories or whatever, then they can have serious implications because you're dealing with fundamental objects. I mean, one area I've studied is something called algorithmic randomness, which is if you go to a casino and you, toss a co and, and you saw a 25 heads in a row come up, you'd be somewhat suspect. Now, it has the same probability as whatever you'd actually get, but how do we, how do we explain that? How do we, how do we explain that something looks random and is there a theory? And the answer is, well, we shouldn't be able to computationally predict what the thing will do. I mean, my computational prediction would be head, 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 and that, that shouldn't work. So the idea is to develop a theory around that called algorithmic, meaning computational randomness, a computational explanation of randomness. Now, it turns out there are... <laughs> algorithms again. There are, there are lots of things that if we knew 
that we know randomised algorithms for, things, algorithms which work well on average, let's say, that we think probably can be de-randomised, but we have no idea how to do it. It's one of the big problems. It's called BPP equals P, but it's a really very complicated problem that really brilliant people have tried to solve. But if you gained insight into what's going on, if you can understand what's going on, then you can gain, you, you can gain a lot. <laughs> Long ago, my wife said to me that when she discovered that, that some of my work had been used... <laughs> so that it wasn't just theoretical? Yeah, for like cancer research and distribution of products in, in New South Wales and um, understanding Aboriginal ear infections in the Northern Territory, believe it or not. I, I was like, I said, that wasn't my fault. <laughs> you know, that, I was just interested. I was interested in some fairly abstract things and they turned out to be useful, not because I set out to do that, just because my intuition said that these were interesting problems to look at. And if you really understand something very well, often it can have implications. It's a real, great study in kind of blue sky research. And why do we support blue sky research? Because I mean, you don't know how it you don't might know. be useful. You just don't know. We have a, someone who won the Nobel Prize here, and that was just because he, was, he saw something in his chemicals and thought, oh, that looks really interesting. And I think that's what happens. You can't use management to make research. It's really, you just follow your instincts. Now, I have to ask, because I've been doing some background reading on you, can you tell me about the link between mathematics and Scottish dancing? Uh-huh. <laughs> well, <laughs> so Scottish country dancing is a very, uh, it's a kind of an unusual form of dancing in the sense that many people who do it are actually mathematicians, musicians, um, computer scientists. And that's because the, 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 the patterns in the dance have a certain appeal to such people. Because I've written, uh, I'm on my fifth book of dances that I've been writing, devising dances. Writing a dance is a little bit like proving a theorem. You, you see a a pattern in space because the kinds of problems that I think about are dynamic problems where I'm trying to imagine what an algorithm will be doing in, in, in time. So you have to visualise what's happening. And when you're, when you're dancing, it's, it's somewhat similar because you have to visualise where you'll be and where will the other people be and how do you do this and how do you do that. And um, I got into it because my wife dragged me along once and I went, OK, this, this looks kind of all right. Um, and I think four years later I was teaching it, so I really like it. It's a, it's a very interesting thing to do. Very rewarding and very good for old people. In Scotland they, dis- they discovered it was one of the best exercises for old people because it, it's good for the bones and it keeps you mentally going. So now I've reached that age, I'll be doing it forever. Thanks, Rod. That was Rod Downey from Victoria University of Wellington and 2018 Rutherford Medal winner. I'm Alison Balance and this Our Changing World podcast first aired on RNZ on the 18th of October 2018. To find out more about this podcast and find interviews with other winners of New Zealand's 2018 research medals, head to our webpage rnz.co.nz ourchangingworld. You'll find all sorts of interesting things there, including science award winners from previous years and a whole lot of other stuff, from astronomy to ultra-cold physics. We hang out on Facebook and Twitter as RNZ Science. We are a podcast available on your favourite podcast provider. Look for us under RNZ, Our Changing World. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. Kia pai tora. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. 
For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. 